Hi everyone and welcome to Take 10 for a Torah number 734. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, or sponsorships, please email me at rabbiyasmach at take10fortorah.org. This is a repeat from a couple years back. I hope you enjoy. So as you probably have been able to tell, I really like Pesach and there's so much to talk about. I figured let's do that 10 minutes at a time. So let's focus on the Seder, the Haggadah, and particularly one paragraph, paragraph, maybe the only one, that actually tells a story. What do I mean? The paragraph about the five rabbis who are sitting in Bnei Brak. So to understand this paragraph, we really need to take a look at the paragraph before. Avodam hayinu This is one of the answers that was suggested by Shmuel in the Mishnah that we should give the children when they ask Manashtana Halayla Hazel. Why is this night different? It's because Avodam hayinu And if we would not have been taken out, we would still be there. That's the crux of the first part of the paragraph. But then, at the end of that paragraph, it says, Even if we would all be wise, all intelligent, and all uh, elderly and, and have a lot of life experience, and all knowledgeable in the Torah, it would be a mitzvah for us to speak of B'tiyas Mitzrayim, even would we know it all already? Not only that, but the more one does it, the better. Okay, so first of all, let's just understand why this is. You know, you would think this is just intellectual information. Once I have that information, I'm good. Why is it that if I know the information, I'm a chacham, I'm a nevon, I'm a zakein, I still need to do it anyway. So Rabbi Sachs in this Haggadah has a nice insight. He says, We do not tell the narrative of the Exodus to know what happened in the past. We do so because each telling engraves that event more thoroughly in the memory, and because each year adds its own insights and interpretations. Judaism is a constant dialogue between past and present, and since the present always changes, there is always a new juxtaposition, a new facet of the story. The sages said there is no house of study without Chiddush, without a new interpretation. The story of Pesach never grows old because the struggle for freedom never ends, and therefore each generation adds its own commentary to the old, new story. So that's why we need to do it consistently and every year. And so in that in that context, so the very next paragraph says, Masab Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Shuv, Rabbi Lozben Azai, Rabbi Akiva, there's a story, once upon a time, these five rabbis, and Rabbi Tarfon, Shayim Asubim B'nebrak, and they were reclining for the Seder in B'nebrak. Vahim Asabra B'tzias Mitzrayim Koloso Halayla, and they were speaking of Yitzias Mitzrayim all night long. Ad Shabbat Hamidehen, until their students came, Vahamur Lahem Rabbi Senu Higiyazman Kriyash Mashal Shachras. Our teachers, it's morning already, and it's time to do the mitzvah of Shema, and for some reason, and this is discussed, for some reason, you're supposed to stop to do one mitzvah in order to do this other mitzvah of Shema, or maybe because they're complementary, or maybe because Shema includes also reference to Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, Exodus, but in any event, they were stopped by their students, and they were told it's time for Shema. What is the goal of this paragraph? Why is it here? Continuity in the Haggadah, I think, is very meaningful and very significant. So there are two obvious reasons. We just made two statements at the end of that earlier paragraph. We said, number one, If we would know it all, we would still be obligated to discuss all of these miracles and all of the things that happened to us. Oh, good. So now we have an example of five scholars, world-class scholars, who were doing exactly that. They were Chachamim, they were Nevonim, they were Zakanim, and they were sitting and speaking about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So that's number one 
reason that it may be uh, following the earlier paragraph. Number two, the reason could be because we also said, Every uh, person is supposed to do as much as they can, as long as they can. These people indeed did Marba Riboy. They did all night long. So it's an example of people, not only regular people, but Chachamim and Nevonim, etc., who are Marba Lesaper, who did more than was necessary. You usually talk about Chatzos, finishing the Mitzos by midnight. Obviously they had done that. Probably they had done that already, and here they were just schmoozing it up. They were talking about the miracles and talking about what had happened. As a matter of fact, the Masanitsim, the Hagadas Masanitsim, refers to what they were doing that night. What they were doing, he says, is they weren't darshaning psukim, they weren't trying to understand new information from the verses in the Torah. He says, Ain Safek Shalohaya Sham Sipor Hayat they didn't just refer to the story, because he says, You don't even need an hour. An hour would be too much. It must be as follows. What were they discussing all night? Why did all of these things happen? What was the good that was found in all of these things? The heich and the way they would investigate all of these individual events. Imagine going through the lines of Dayenu one at a time. Why did this happen? Why are we so grateful? That there was such goodness in that Hatava, in the in what was provided to us, that it could last for all the generations. Until they were able to really deeply, truly understand how to say Kili Olam Chasto on every Think It was all good. They went through. It was a night of gratitude. They were focused on all of these small events, trying to understand how deeply important they were. Another thing that maybe brings this here is not just v'chal hamar, but look how these chachamim did it. Look how long they did it for. But there's something interesting about these five people. Each of them, for one reason or another, had nothing to do with the servitude. Meaning, they had nothing. They were either all bnei levim or Gerim. They were all from the tribe of Levi, or they were from converts. Therefore, this was not their personal story. This was their national story. Either they weren't in the servitude, or one can suggest because they were from Shevet Levi, they were not Zoche Benachala. They did not actually receive a place in Eretz Israel. So you might think that, hey, the whole upshot of Yitzhak Mitzrayim is that I got my property and I got my land. No, none of these men had because they were from Shevet Levi, and yet they were still able to discuss this all night. Now, why didn't they see the sunlight? So one theory is, I've seen, is because they were in a cave. They were not in a house, they were in a cave in B'nai Brak. Now, I don't know if there are caves in B'nai Brak, but moving on. So, they're in a cave because they are hiding. Perhaps they are hiding from the Romans. Remember the time of Rabbi Akiva's post-Churban, post-exile of the Second Temple, the destruction of the Second Temple, and perhaps they are running away. Perhaps they can't be sitting and learning Torah all night. It's not clear. And so the students have to come in and say, hey guys, it's there's sunlight outside, and so it's time for Shema, otherwise they had not known. Which, if that is the case, I just want to call your attention to one other thing. At the end of Magad, there's a machlokas between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Tarifon about exactly how we should fr- phrase the blessing, uh, Asher Alanu. Should we be referring to just the past? Is it a blessing of thanks? Or should we also be adding a prayer of request? requesting from God that he also do it again, and we are redeemed from our current 
servitude. Rabbi Tarfon, who was at this table that night, says only about the past, only gratitude. Rabbi Kiva says, no, we don't just do gratitude. We also ask about the future. I saw it suggested, Rabbi Yaakov Glasser, uh, I'm not sure where this idea is from, but perhaps it could be tied to a Chassam Sofer. The Chassam Sofer says that the idea of them being in Bnei Brak is very significant. They are not in Yerushalayim. It's not during the time that the Beis HaMikdash stood. They're not in Betar, which perhaps was the place and the location of the last stand in the year 120 with Bar Kochba. They are just in Bnei Brak. They are in this quasi-status where there's a lot of uncertainty, perhaps stuck in a cave and perhaps really unclear about what the future would bring. And maybe, just maybe, all of these rabbis, some of whom had spent time with Rabbi Akiva in the past, famously, walking through the ruins of the Beis HaMikdash, who were crying, who were hopeless, who were forlorn, seeing Rabbi Akiva smiling and laughing as the famous story goes, and getting hope from Rabbi Akiva, perhaps the best place to have a Seder when you are in a situation of crisis, is at the home in Bnei Brak of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva is known to have lived in Bnei Brak. It's in Bnei Brak where they had this Seder in his location. To come to spend time with Rabbi Akiva, the one who says that the bracha of the Seder is not just about the past, but it's also about hoping that the future will also be what we want. Taking what the events of the past taught us about what is possible and applying it to future times. It is Rabbi Akiva's table that we need to spend time at in order to be inspired and to become hopeful. Rabbi Kiva has always been the personality involved with optimism and with hope and with redemption and interpreting all of the bad things that happened to Kal Yisrael in the best possible way. So because they are in Bnei Brak, perhaps one can suggest that that is exactly what they were looking for. It's not just a story about people speaking a long time or people who know it all speaking. It's about a story drawing hope from the past towards the future from the very special character of Rabbi Akiva. Have a great day.